Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, hi, welcome back. I'm Chris, the pastor at Compass, and I'm really glad that you're with me today because we are in part three of a message series called In Your Feelings. So it should come as no surprise that we're talking about just that, feelings. We all have them because human beings are inherently emotional. We all experience a wide range of the same emotions. Did you know that on average, we all have 400 emotional experiences every day? That's an emotional experience every two and a half minutes. And what's so wild about that is that our feelings actually have physical effects on us too. A study was done recently to identify how people's emotions were felt in their bodies. And it found that across all different cultures, all different backgrounds and nationalities, every one of us tend to feel emotions the same way in the same parts of our bodies. Meaning this, that certain emotions tend to feel like they gather in certain parts of our bodies. So when we feel happiness, it tends to be felt throughout the entire body, while anger is usually just felt in the upper part of our body and in our arms. Emotions like sadness and depression, they actually make us feel numb in parts of our bodies, while feelings like anxiety and shame, they can make us feel both. So you may feel anxiety like a physical weight on your chest, while your arms and legs feel numb. Our emotions are powerful things. They regulate our thoughts, affect our reactions. They influence all of our relationships. In many ways, they determine the course of our lives. So it shouldn't surprise you that our emotions are also a fundamental way that we experience God. And in Matthew chapter 14, we find a series of stories about Jesus that highlight how feelings intersect our spiritual lives. And for the last two weeks, we've talked about feelings that God himself expresses. But today we're going to shift and we're going to look at a very common human feeling that all of us have experienced. Insecurity. The first strong memory that I have of being insecure uh, was when I was 12 years old. I had just gotten my first electric guitar and I was going to play it for worship at youth group for the very first time. Now, this was in the 80s, so it was like the the Lord, you are more precious than silver and the Jehovah Jireh era of music. And if you're a millennial or Gen Z, just go Google it if you want to laugh or if you want to cringe. But I practiced these songs all week to make sure that I didn't embarrass myself. And I brought my guitar ready to play on Wednesday night. I set everything up. I plugged in my amp. I was ready to go. And my youth pastor asked if he could play my guitar. I said, yes, but I shouldn't have because he picked up the guitar and he played a perfect G chord. I know now that a lot of people can play one or two chords on the guitar really well, but at the time I didn't. At the time, I was a 12-year-old kid who'd only been playing for a few months and who was not very good. And when my youth pastor, who didn't really play the guitar at all, when he strummed a perfect chord, all I could think was, man, he's better than you. He doesn't even play guitar and he's better than you are. You suck at guitar and you're only gonna embarrass yourself if you do this. You are terrible and you're gonna look stupid because you can't do this. I felt so insecure. And you know what I did? I bailed. I didn't play that night because my insecurity got the best of me. I know this. 
No matter who you are, what you do, or how good at it you are, you have felt that same feeling of insecurity. That feeling that says, I'm out of my depth. I'm not good enough, smart enough, talented enough, or attractive enough. I can't do this. Maybe you're feeling it right now. Maybe I'm feeling it right now. And that's okay. Because no matter how insecure you feel, you are not alone. And today we're going to look at how God moves in our insecurity in Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 15. It says, That evening the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. So Jesus and his disciples, they've spent a long day ministering and caring for for a crowd of more than 5,000 people out in this pretty remote location. And as the day gets long, the disciples recognize that people gotta go home. There's not enough food where they're at to supply a crowd that big. And so identifying this problem, that there's not enough food for people, the disciples bring the problem to Jesus, the person who they think can fix it. But Jesus doesn't do what they think he should. Look at this in verse 16. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. So the disciples, they identify a problem, and then they identify a solution, and they bring it to Jesus. It's late, people need to eat, and so Jesus needs to send them home, which makes sense. The people came to hear Jesus. He's the only one they're going to listen to who can send them on their way. But when Jesus hears the disciples' suggestion, he's like, nah, you take care of it. Don't don't send them home. You just feed them yourselves. Story continues in verse 17. The disciples respond, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. So I want you to imagine you're on a plane and you're flying to Hawaii when the pilot has a heart attack. The plane starts going down and people are panicking, but you aren't scared because the person sitting next to you on the plane is a pilot. Now, you know he's a pilot because he's also one of those people who like to talk on a plane. And even though you kept trying to put your earbuds in, the dude kept talking and you just have this sinking feeling that the whole four-hour trip is going to be a full-on conversation with a stranger. But the good news is that's how you know that he's a pilot because he liked to chat. So you grab this guy and you say, thank God you are here. This plane is going down and we need someone who can fly it. So get up there into the cockpit and save us. Sensing everyone's fear and knowing that he's probably the only one who can get the plane safely home. He looks you dead in the eye with confidence and intensity. And he says, that's okay, you do it. It seems unimaginable that the person who is equipped to help wouldn't. But that's what it looks like Jesus is doing. I mean, clearly he wasn't aware of the situation, right? Because the disciples are like, like, Jesus, we can't do that. I mean, you may not know this, but we don't have enough food and there's nowhere to get more. We can't feed these people. I mean, look at how they respond to, to this in the version of the story shared in John's gospel. They tell Jesus, they're like, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed all these people. Jesus, we can't do that. We aren't equipped for it. We don't have enough. We are way out of our depth. I mean, that's that's why we came to you and asked you to do something, Jesus. I also imagine that when Jesus told them to solve the problem themselves, that they felt the same thing I felt when I was 12, 
when I was trying to solve the problem of worship in our youth group, insecurity. Somebody needs to do something, but it's not me. I don't have enough. I'm not good enough. I can't do it. And that's what insecurity does. It causes us to give up and do nothing. But look how the story continues. We'll start in verse 17 again. They said, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, Jesus said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. Jesus pulls the disciples aside and he has them bring the little bit of food they had to him where he blesses it, breaks it up, and puts it back into their hands to distribute to the people. And a miracle happens. The story continues. It says they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. So if you're new to the Bible or to Christianity or Jesus, this, this story, this miracle, is called the feeding of the 5,000. And it's a big one. In fact, this is the only miracle Jesus performed that is recorded in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So this was a big deal to his followers. And it was a big deal for a lot of reasons. And, and we could look at this from all sorts of different theological angles. But today, I want us to look at this from the perspective of the disciples and what they must have been feeling. Insecurity. Because we've all felt that. We've all felt like, I don't have enough. I'm not equipped. I can't do this. And if you've ever felt like that, or if you're feeling it right now, there's something that I want you to take away from this story. And it's this. Jesus can do a lot with a little. And you have enough. There are so many little details in this story that bring it to life when we see them. Starting with the fact that the disciples... They wanted good things. They just weren't equipped to make them happen. They wanted people to have food to be cared for. They just couldn't see a way to do it themselves. But what did Jesus say when they brought this need to him? The one who could do something about it. He said this, you do it. You feed them. There are so many important things in our world that need to be addressed. Problems to be fixed, from practical things like gun violence and poverty, to more spiritual things like making disciples and caring for orphans and widows. These are things that we see and that we want to change, but often we don't think that we can. I mean, just in our church context alone, I can't tell you how often someone will come to me and say, you, you know, you should do an outreach to the immigrant community, or you should have a recovery group, or you should do more outreach to kids and young families. And I love that because people are seeing the need. The challenge is they just can't see themselves as the solution. Because I don't have enough. I'm not equipped. I can't do this. But often when Jesus allows you to see a need in your life or in the lives of others, he's also saying, you fix it. And I know you might be like, but Chris, I can't. I don't have enough ability or influence to make a difference. I don't have enough education or experience. Even if I worked for months, I wouldn't have enough money to make the change that I would want to. But remember, Jesus can do a lot with a little. And just like the disciples, 
you have enough. Because Jesus just doesn't say, you do it. He also says, bring me what you have. And then he blesses it and multiplies it. The disciples' inability to feed the crowds with the small amount of food they had, the very thing they were insecure about, it became the thing Jesus used to solve the problem, to meet the need. And when we see what Jesus did through them, we can identify a spiritual pattern, a way that God works in our insecurities today. And here's how the pattern works. We get close enough to Jesus to catch a glimpse of what he's doing and the needs that need to be met. And we see what might help. And so we bring our ideas to Jesus, our ideas of what can be done. And then we offer what little we have. And then Jesus takes what we have to give, our ideas, our loaves and fish, our money, our sense of humor, time, energy, talents, love, artistic gifts, even the ability to be present and listen, whatever we have to offer. And it doesn't matter how much or how little there is. Jesus takes it and he blesses it all either way. And then breaking it so it's ready to use, he gives it back to us to give to those who need it. The very thing that you are insecure about, the thing you don't think you have enough of, it may be the thing that's most useful when it's broken in the hands of Jesus to be distributed to those in need. There's one last thing I want to point out from this story as well, and that's this. The crowds didn't actually know that a miracle was happening. Jesus didn't call everyone up to witness him multiplying the bread and fish himself. Instead, it appears that Jesus did this in a place and in a way where only the disciples were aware of what was going on. There's no sense from the gospel accounts that the crowds even knew what was happening at all. They were getting food, but as far as they were concerned, Jesus' disciples were just distributing what was already there. It's almost as if this miracle was just for the disciples. That Jesus was more interested in showing us that he wants us to be part of what he's doing more than he is just in displaying his power. So as I wrap up, let me, let me tell you what God has done in the life of our church and how he's done this in our church. When Compass first started meeting on Saturday nights years ago, we had this little core team of about 30 to 40 people, but we knew we wanted to make our community better. And we felt like there was a space where we could make an impact by serving the foster care community. And so in November of 2012, I reached out to DCFS to see if we could help by buying Christmas gifts for teenagers who were in foster care. Now, we'd already known from them that teenagers were the hardest to provide for because teenagers are big, they're smelly and scary. And so we said we'd cover it. We called it the foster tree. And we got the names of 11 local teenagers in foster care, and we got around 50 gift requests, ranging from Air Jordans to iPads. I mean, we were barely a church. We hadn't even launched publicly. We had this tiny little group of people and no money. But that year, we got all 11 teenagers every gift they asked for. And it was scary. I mean, I was nervous we wouldn't be able to pull it off. There were expensive gifts. But we saw the need, and we put what we had in God's hands, and he made it happen. And the craziest thing is since then, as our relationship with local social services and the foster care community has developed, the foster tree has grown to where we now provide well over a thousand gifts to hundreds of kids in foster care every Christmas. We have the Compass Closet now, where we provide brand new free clothes to kids in need. 
We host an annual foster care Halloween party for DCFS and the families that they serve. We host supervised visits with biological parents who are working to get their kids back in our building every week. And all of this is because we saw a need in our community and we just gave God the little bit we had to make a difference. Knowing that the problem was too big for us to fix. Knowing what we had to give wasn't enough. But God made it enough. And he multiplied it. The need is still huge, but God keeps using what we give him to make a difference. And the best part is this. Every year that we do the foster tree, every time I'm terrified it's going to be the year that we aren't going to be able to provide every gift request. Because the truth is, on our own, we still don't have enough. But God has shown us that he wants us to be a part of what he's doing. And that we can trust him even in our insecurity. Jesus can do a lot with a little, and you have enough. You don't just have enough, you are enough. Because in Jesus' hands, you are enough to do great things. And I'm not just talking about ministry things or church things, I'm talking about great life things. You can have amazing relationships, you can have a wonderful marriage, you can be a great parent, you can live a wonderfully full, satisfying, and purpose-filled life. I mean, maybe you'll start a world-changing nonprofit. Or maybe you'll just be a loving support to a friend in need. Remember, it doesn't even matter if anyone else sees the miracle or not. It's not really for them. It's for you. Because it's the gentle voice of a loving God whispering in your ear, you are enough. Put what little you have into my hands and let me show you. It doesn't really matter what you're insecure about. Money, education, talent, personality, time, energy, health. Whatever it is, you have enough and you are enough. And no matter how little you think you have, Jesus can do a lot with a little. And when he says you do it, you can know you can. When Jesus says, bring me what you have, you know that you can trust him with everything. Bring your insecurities to Jesus, no matter what they are, and see what a loving God can do with your life. Thanks for joining me, and I will see you next time. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com. Compass.